Colossians, the first chapter, verse 20, uh, and probably down to verse 23. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet hath he now reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. And this is where we left off uh, when I was preaching last. If ye continue in the faith, Grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Amen. Which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, where I, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Amen? Amen. Uh, I will give the title in just a minute, but I just want to say a couple of things. Um, when I think of all the things that I've accomplished in my life, and, you know, some people would say it's not much. Or some people may say, wow, that was a whole lot, Um, especially in my younger years. Um, The places I've been able to go and the money that I've made in my lifetime and the the things that I've been able to purchase and the family that I have now. And, and, you know, I can say that I'm blessed. Amen. I've been highly blessed. There's a lot of things that could have happened that did not happen. Amen. And so I am content and I am grateful to God. And then, in reality, there's the other side of it where I can't help but notice this. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm not grateful, but it also means that I'm human. Amen? And I think of all the things that I am presently going through. All the things that I am asking God and praying to God to fix. All the stuff that is yet wrong. All the stuff that is um, still presently messed up. And the things um, that I deal with that no matter what I do, no matter what I strive for, no matter how hard I work, I just can't fix it. I don't have the power. And King Solomon was the wisest man on the planet, and he had Everything. I mean everything. Everything you could ever want. Everything you could ever have. And after all of his accomplishments, he came to the realization that all is vanity. Basically, that's an old school word for pure and complete pointlessness. (laughs) Amen. And it can be quite depressing because we know deep down inside that there's something wrong with this place, right? You know? And none of us has the ability to fix it. Here's the problem. The problem happened a long time ago. The problem is something that was never supposed to happen. The problem is sin. Amen? When God gave Adam and Eve dominion over things, uh, over all the creation on the planet, his intention for man was to rule by his obedience to the one who had created him. Amen? Amen. So the idea was, I want you to rule and have dominion, but I want you to obey God. That was the idea. So, but when Adam and Eve sinned, everything got flipped on its head. The whole planet got turned upside down. Everything was flipped, and, 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 and nothing on this planet is, is, is really, honestly, nothing on this planet is fixable. It's ruined. It's ruined. And when something is ruined, you don't call a handyman. (laughs) You don't come and say, please repair what is ruined. It's ruined. It can't be fixed. It has to be replaced. It has to be made new. That's the only solution. After the effect of sin... 
in all of its horrible results, God has provided only one way for us to successfully function on this planet without succumbing to total despair. And in the words of Marvin Gaye saying, oh, you just make me want to holler and throw up my hands. <laughs> Sometimes it's just like that, right? <laughs> The only way that we are able to function, the only way that God has provided is hope. That's all he's given us, hope. But this hope is specific. This hope must be in Christ. There is a false hope of the world that is not the, the true hope, the foundational hope that we are able to really stand on to cause us to endure. Amen? There's only one who can make this planet what it was supposed to be, and that is Jesus Christ. Our hope must be in him. So the title of my message today is The Hope of the Reconciliation. The Hope of Reconciliation. The Hope of Reconciliation. All right, back to Colossians 1.20. We're in the King James Version sometime, but most of the time. Okay, Keisha? And thank you for hanging with me. I love this new, I don't give you scriptures, you just follow me thing. You're great. <laughs> and sorry about that. All right, having made and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him, notice this, to reconcile. Not already reconciled, but to reconcile. Christ made peace through the blood of his cross to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Just as a review, but I want to go a little deeper into that today, okay? We tackled these verses a couple weeks ago, and thank you, David, for preaching last week. I really appreciate it. But I want to go and kind of go back into this a little bit before we get into verse 23, I believe, should the Lord say the same. Jesus died on the cross, shedding his blood, and by him shedding his blood, he is able to make peace or reconcile, to reconcile things on the earth or things in heaven. Uh, Right now, I don't know if you notice, but there are some animals that are very dangerous. Now, we see on YouTube and some of the commercials and we hear on the news every now and then, some people don't recognize that Jesus is not back and they just go ahead and try to feed the animals and be friends with certain animals but that they shouldn't. Amen? But did you know that that was never God's intention? God was never saying, I've made the sun, I made the moon, I made the water, I made the mountains, I made the grass, and I'm going to make a bunch of animals that are going to eventually be able to maul you to death. That was not God's original plan. Amen? Carnivorous animals were never in his plan. What did that? Sin. Amen? Sin. So I don't know, you know, what kind of shark teeth the sharks were supposed to have, but they weren't supposed to be able to take our arm off. <laughs> okay? So recently I took my family camping, and some of you know that I've gone camping before, and we went to two different camping trips, but one of the camping trips, uh, we, so, this is a group of people that we associate with at another church, North Creek, and they keep signing our family up and giving us, free of charge, a campsite, um, and, they, and they keep signing us up, and we keep going with them every single year, and we have a good time. And now, one of the signs that you are affected by sin is that you continue to do things over and over again that you haven't learned about the last time. So we go on this camping trip, and as soon as I pull up, I see, you know, signs, watch out the, for the bears. And, you know, we done bought New sleeping bags, new tents, canopies, and somehow, for whatever reason, I just keep forgetting because of sin. <laughs> oh, that's right. There's bears up here. And I don't know what has happened, but the bears know that the Hawkins are coming. I'm certain of it. And they spread the word to the other bears because at night you can hear the bears rustling through our stuff and we in our tents like this. Scared half to death. Why? Because here's the thing. They're carnivorous animals and they will maul you to death. And you don't want a confrontation with a bear. You will lose. Amen? Amen. So I don't know who spreads the word between the bears, but they all tell them that the Hawkins are back and they show up to our camp. Or, you know, they were in site 15 again. You know, remember that black family that showed up last time? Yeah, let's go see them. That's what happens. I'm telling you, twice in a row, 
We've been there overnight, and the, and the bears, we just see a bear, or, 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 or late at night, we hear some rustling or something like that going through our pots, wondering why we didn't leave them something. I don't know what's happening, but they are there. Amen? Now, here's the thing. Jesus Christ, through the blood of his cross, has set the stage to future tense, to reconcile all things, all of creation to himself. Meaning it's not done just yet. We don't see what's coming. But the truth of the matter is that Jesus' blood set the stage for harmony between everything he's created. Amen? It's coming. Amen? His blood has paid for it. It has to come in line with the king when he returns. Are you hearing me? So the blood has been paid, it has paid for the future harmony of all the animals and all the people that coexist on the earth. Isaiah 11, 5, and 6. Just write this down. Give me a New Living Translation this time, Keisha. 11 and 6. Isaiah 11, 5, and 6. It says this. And in that day, Isaiah 11, 5, and 6. Did I get the wrong one? I probably wrote down the wrong scripture. Is that what's happening? Okay, well, I'm sorry if I messed that up. I'm sorry. And in that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. And the calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And the little child shall lead them all. You've heard that scripture before, right? So it's basically, it's also in Revelation. That's, what it's, that's where it is. What's happening is, is there's going to be a day when there's going to be animals that were ferocious. That are going to be, your children will be able to pick up snakes. Right? Why? Because Jesus Christ is going to come back. He is going to rule over the animal kingdom, and the animal kingdom will be subject to him. Amen? Amen. And I'll get that scripture for you again a little bit later on. All right, so back to Colossians 1... And 20, having made peace through the blood of his cross to him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things on the earth or things in heaven. Now, Jesus Christ will reconcile all of the creatures that are under the curse that have come from sin, as it says in Romans, the eighth chapter. For we know the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. So as I said before, just in review, they're waiting for, the creation is waiting for people to come in line with God. Amen? Knowing that until that happens, they are under the curse. Amen? And God is going to, Jesus is going to bring all of that under his rule. But it, it, when it comes in heaven, it doesn't talk about, uh, uh, it doesn't say, rather, that there's this universal salvation for demons in the, in the angelic host. It doesn't, it doesn't go with them. It also doesn't go to people who have decided not to receive Jesus Christ. So there is no universal salvation. It doesn't mean he's going to reconcile everything and then all of a sudden everybody's going to eventually be saved so we can just do whatever the heck we want to because it's going to be all good anyway. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Amen? That's a life in the pit of hell. Satan will never, ever be in heaven. His demons will never, ever be in heaven. The third of the angelic hosts will never be in heaven. And people who have had enough time to receive Jesus Christ, who have refused his offer, will not be in heaven. Okay? There are some things that will be restored, but that's not it. We want to make that clear to you. So Colossians 1, 21. And... You that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now hath he reconciled. So there are things that are going to be reconciled. And there are things that have already been reconciled. And what he's talking about is you and me, the believers, the Christians. Amen? All right? We were enemies in our mind. That means you know, by our wicked works, that means we were hostile to God. We didn't want God, didn't like God, didn't want him to be God, didn't want to believe in God, and we were in our wicked works. We were doing things that disagreed with God. And we're not just talking about the, the big things that we all talk about, you know, the, 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 the regular sins, the, the famous ones, drinking and smoking and rap music and sex and none of other things. 
There's other things. There are things that, you know, as you mature, God doesn't just deal with your, the things that everybody can see. He starts to deal with your, your heart attitudes, too. Oh. Well, Pastor, I stopped drinking in the 70s, but you're, and you're still evil. Just mean. <laughs> Uh-oh, I stepped on somebody's toe. Now, things like being boastful. Heady and high-minded. You talk about yourself too much. <laughs> you're condescending to people that you're, you're feeling they're not really on, their, on your same level. So you talk down to people. Did you realize that high-mindedness is a sin? Oh, yes, it is. You're disobedient, hard-hearted, stiff-necked like Israel. You know, I'm saved, but this particular area right here, God, I ain't budging. You know, I don't do drugs anymore, but my house is nasty. And the Bible says, do all things decently and in order. Can't invite no new, you know, new believers to your house. Why? They trip over stuff. <laughs> David and die. Trip over, your, trip over your coat, slip and fall, go straight to heaven. Just got to say. <laughs> Stiff-necked. Hard-headed, won't budge. Amen? Can't get you to do what God wants you to do in certain areas. You've told him no. Amen? Hypocritical. you one way in front of the church, folks. In another way at home. Completely different. Amen? Prayerlessness. You only talk to God when something's going wrong with you. Oh, can't pray for nobody else. You know, can't, you know, just, you know, pray without ceasing, thanking God, saying hello to God. No, God, it's me again. I have a problem. That's the only time I hear from you. Prayerlessness, selfishness. Your calendar is full of stuff that's just about you. You know, you don't notice the needs of others. And even if you did, you have no space in your life to do anything about it. Amen? Unmerciful. When I hurt you, I expect you to think that it was a mistake. I was tripping. I'm sorry. Get over it. Forgive, Christian. But when you hurt me, you low-down demon, spawn of hell. (laughs) How dare you? No mercy whatsoever. Only mercy when I need it, but I show no mercy to anybody else. Are you hearing me? Unthankful. God has been good, putting food on your table, taking care of you, got you away from that crazy husband you was with, spared your life, you should have been dead. Huh? Huh? All kinds of things could have gone wrong. God has been so good to you, but you never tell him thank you. What he always hears is a complaint. There are things. And Jesus said, you know, there's many more things. I'm just saying there's other stuff that's not so obvious. Are you hearing me? That we don't think of. You know, yet now hath he reconciled, past tense, with all of our stuff. Jesus has reconciled us. Back to God. God has used his son's death, his blood, to reconcile us back to the Father. Wow. Verse 22, in the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unprovable in his sight. This ought to bless you. Because what he's saying is, is right now, in our imperfection, We are unblameable, unprovable, and holy in his sight right now. The beautiful thing is that the earth and heavenly things will be reconciled one day. But the believers are not just forgiven. We are reconciled right now. Right now. Edna's got it. He already sees you as holy. He already sees you as a saint. He already sees you sanctified. He already sees you consecrated. Before you go on your fast, God sees you consecrated. 
<gasps> what, Pastor Jamie? It's true. Amen? Consecrated, set apart, holy, set apart for God's holy use. He already sees you unblameable. That means that's kind of Old Testament terminology right there. Where you are a spotless, no blemish, sacrifice to him. Amen? It speaks of perfection. It speaks of this, like the sacrifices of old when they sacrificed to God. The, the sacrifice, in order to be acceptable, it had to be spotless and, un, and there's no blemish. Unblameable. And he also sees you as unreprovable. Which means you cannot get accused of wrongdoing. You can't right now. Why? Because you're in Christ. This is how he sees you positionally. You don't believe it, do you? You don't believe it. Right now, you have already been reconciled to God, and this is how he sees you right now. Not something that's coming, something that's happened already. Amen. Now, because we are not just forgiven, but reconciled, that means our relationship has been fixed. So there is no longer, as we heard before, as I said before, the hostility against God. That was there before. God has removed the hostility, which is to our benefit. Why? Because that means that we have been given a helper, even though we are positionally holy, unblameable, and irreprovable. We still got some issues. Amen? Amen. Which means that now what God has done, because our relationship has been fixed and not just forgiven, because I can forget, forgive you and forget you. But if I'm reconciling you, I mean, I'm, I'm attaching you to me again. And being attached to Jesus again, being attached to the Father, that means we now have the Holy Spirit, which gives us the power to defeat the sin that we're dealing with. Amen? You can be divorced and forgiven, but that means that's still separation. Amen? But if you are in the midst of repairing the relationship to be reconciled, that means the separation is no longer there. When, with reconciliation, there is forgiveness, but the relationship has been repaired. So now we're not dealing with sin without any help. Are you hearing me? We're no longer separated from God, which means we're no longer separated from his power. Somebody needs to see that. Amen? Well, I just can't help it. No, no, if you've been reconciled, yes, you can. Are you hearing me? I, I just keep doing it. No, 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 no. If you've been reconciled, that means there's something wrong with your mind. You don't see what God has allowed to happen here. I can forgive you, but if I reconcile you to me, that means I'm reconnecting you to me. And there is no sin that God cannot handle. Oh. Are you hearing me? This is key because this next verse that we're going to, this next verse, verse 23, where we left off, all of that was pretty much review and just going a little deeper. This next verse says that reconciliation comes with proof. Reconciliation comes with proof. Talking about the hope of reconciliation, it comes with proof. So the thought is, we have been reconciled by the death of Jesus Christ. We are presented as spotless, holy saints who can never be accused of anything positionally. If, verse 23 says, we continue in the faith grounded and settled. The most convincing argument for what you believe or the faith is not the argument of your words. It is the argument that you present in your life. Amen? Reconciliation comes with proof. Amen. Paul is saying, not to the Colossians, that he doesn't think they're saved. He's saying, of course you're saved. And because you're saved, you will continue in the faith. It's not put in a negative. Most of us see that if, oh, oh, woo, spooky. No, he's saying that I believe that you are saved. I believe that you are saved. He said it in verse 5 that there was a hope that they had and the love that they have for one another that proves that they are saved. He's saying that your salvation obviously comes with proof. If you are really saved, you will continue in the faith. That's what he's basically saying. Paul is saying if you're saved, you will definitely continue. You will remain in the faith. But if you're not really saved, you will eventually, here's the warning, drift away from the faith. 
You will drift away from what you believe. You will drift away from your practice. You will drift away from your lifestyle that comes with what you believe. Are you hearing me? Since you're saved, then you will persevere, and you will go deeper and deeper into your commitment with God. You will find out that there's something that you're doing that is sin, and you will repent from it, which means you will change your mind and how you see it, which means gradually you will turn from it, which means you will find yourself over time not doing it until it becomes a thing of your past and not a thing of your present. Are you hearing me? Jamie, did you know that was sin? No, I did not know that was sin. That displeases God? Oh, no. I need to have a mind change about that thing. And so I have a mind change about that thing, and eventually I keep turning from it, I keep turning from it, and I keep turning from it until it becomes a holy habit. Well, I just can't stop talking about people. I don't know, Pastor. Just I wake up in the morning and be like, let me see who I can just run through the mud. No. And somebody comes along and says, brother, sister, so-and-so, don't you know that's a sin to be talking about folks like that? Really? I can't trash the saints? I didn't know that. Let no holy, unholy communication come out of your mouth, except what that is edifying. You've heard the scripture? Really? I need to be talking differently? Okay, now that I know the Holy Spirit within me causes me to see it differently. I change my mind about it. I begin to turn, not just in repentance, but in my action. And eventually, that habit becomes something where that thing that I was doing, yes, I did it, but I'm no longer doing it. Are you hearing me? It's now in my past. Amen? Rooted, grounded, settled in the faith. You will hate and forsake sin over and over again. This is just what believers do. Amen? You will want to come to church. Uh-oh. Interesting thing that happened in the pandemic. We saw the people that were just here, and then we saw the people that, now we're seeing the people that really want to be in fellowship. It's true. It's happening all over America. People are going, Wow. So this is what the church is looking like, really. Yep. You will want to come to church. You will want to read your Bible. You will. Have you ever skipped a day of the Bible? Be honest. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. How many? Where's Jesus at? Huh? Have you ever skipped a day of the Bible? Huh? Now, let me ask you a question. How did you feel after you skipped it? Did you want to, wait a minute, wait a minute, something's missing. Oh, I know what it is. I didn't communicate with the Lord through the word. I need to get on it. And as you grow and you grow, that becomes something that happens less and less. Why? Because you don't think about it. You don't get up in the morning and decide never to eat. (laughs) I'll just eat next year. (laughs) You'll be dead. Okay? This will increase over time. You want to come to church, you want to read your Bible, you want to give your resources to the kingdom of God. This will increase over time, not decrease. You will be rooted and grounded, settled, planted, firmly standing on the foundation, which is Christ, because this is what true believers do. The true believers, they become more and more steadfast. They continue in the faith. He's saying, I believe you are saved. And because you're saved, you will continue in the faith. Are you hearing me? But now, watch this. Be careful, Christian, because this is where it gets a little tricky. Your ability to continue in the faith is not what saves you. Okay? This next phrase is what we're really going for. This is where the Pharisees missed it. Okay? They had the ability to look like they were saved for a while. Uh, But they really weren't. They had the ability to look like they were holy for a while, but they really weren't. The truth is, watch this, saints, both saved and unsaved people can look holy for a minute. This is what you need to understand. 
saved people and unsaved people. Let's just be real. Let's be honest. Today is we up in Castro Valley and it's the seventh. We need to be honest with ourselves. Okay. Saved people and unsaved people can drift into sin. Am I telling the truth? Okay. It's possible. The difference is when the saved person gets fin- uh, finally begins to sin or gets into sin, they cannot stay in their rebellion too long. They can't. While the unsaved person can get in that rebellion and get comfortable with it and stay in that rebellion. Have you ever planned sin while you were saved? Come on, let's be honest. Jesus is looking, come on. (laughs) I'm talking about booked the plane, bought the tickets, got the rental car, reserved the hotel room. Amen? The whole time, drifting deeper and deeper into what you're planning. It happened over gradually, you know what I'm saying? You, you stop reading, you stop coming to Bible study, you start hanging out with the wrong folks, and before you know it, ah, I've drifted. I didn't say you weren't saved. Okay? Because saved people can mess up, can we not? Amen? I was, you know, I'd stop coming to Bible study, and that's why I called you what your mama ain't. And I just, I, uh, you know, it happens. You're drifting. But here's the thing. If you have the Holy Spirit, you cannot tell me. This is what my daddy used to say. You cannot tell me if you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't the whole time kicking. Wait a minute. What, what, where are we, what state are we going to? Where are we at? Where are you dragging me to? What are we doing? What are we doing? Are you hearing me? So here's the thing, saints. Here's the thing. The whole time, the Holy Spirit is telling you that something's not right when you're saved. Now, even if you go all the way through whatever you're planning and end up fully sinning, the person that is saved will have regrets about what they did. You won't be comfortable. You will not be able to sit there and be like, well, now let's have a drink and a cigarette. I mean, let's just, let's put that on top of the sin. No, you will have regrets. You will start feeling funny about it. You won't get, I got to get up out of here. Uh, this, is a, this is a mistake. I should have never said it. I should have never did it. I should have never bought it. I should have never concocted it. I, I, got, I drifted. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is there. But the person who is drifting into sin without the Holy Spirit, come on now. There's no one there to pull them back from who they naturally will be. Are you hearing me? One person is sitting up there saying, you know, well, I don't smoke and I don't drink and I don't sleep around and, you know, I stopped all that stuff a long time ago and that's just not what I do. The person who is leaning on the Holy Spirit is saying, wow, it's been two weeks. I can't believe I didn't curse nobody out. I can't believe I didn't have a drink. I can't believe. Well, Jesus must be really real. Are you hearing me? There's a difference. It doesn't mean that sin is not possible. It just means there's a completely different motive. There's a completely different power. There's a completely different comfort level when it comes to sin, when it comes to a saved person versus an unsaved person. An unsaved person can just do whatever they want to do and will feel nothing. A saved person might get caught out there and be like, I got to get up out of here. This is not right. Are you hearing me? All right. So this teaching here is not teaching... Hear me, saints, because this is very vital. That perseverance in the faith saves an individual. But that perseverance is evident that that person is really saved. You hear the difference? Not saying that my morality code saves me. He's saying that the way I live is proven that I am saved. Understand? Okay, while it is important for Christians to continue in the faith, to continue in godly conduct, to continue in prayer, we also do this with this very huge awareness, this realization that we are not saved by our godly conduct. What we are saved by 
is the gospel hope. That's what we're saying by Hebrews 3.14. I hope I got this scripture by because that was a complete blunder. Hebrews 3.14. King James. Let's see. Yes. <laughs> For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence. Underline that word which means assurance, steadfast to the end. He's not talking about works. He's talking about something bigger. Okay? He's talking about the power behind the works. Are you hearing me? So it's not just about holy living alone. It's really about holding on to the hope of the gospel you heard at the beginning, which will then continue to adjust your conduct to where you are found to be more and more consistent in the faith and the lifestyle that goes along with it. What you're saying here is that it's not just my work. Something is grounding me. David was talking about it today. Before, when he was praying, it's, it's, it, we try to go at sin without being in the presence of God. Okay? We try to go at sin in our own power. There is, there's another power source. Go back to Colossians 1.23. If you continue in the faith, you are what? Holy, unblameable, uh, uh, unreprovable. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and then this comma is huge because this is the part that fuels the first part. And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard. This phrase is so important because you cannot be consistent without hope. Are you hearing me? If I am dating you and I have no <laughs> assurance that you're going to be here tomorrow, <laughs> we're not going to have very much of a relationship to be consistent in, are we? Right. Be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard. It's the gospel that saves people. Not your works. It's not your morality track record. Warning, this is not mainly about living a holy life or a high morality. The people on this planet uh, that live righteously, some of them are not even saved. <gasps> Did you know that? I got a friend of mine. I would say that that man lives more of a straight-laced life than anybody in, in, my, clo in, in my church, me included. He's just... Sticky like that. Just a hardcore right-wing <laughs> do-gooder. You know? He just, I mean, you know, think about it. There are some people who live on this planet who are, you know, they live holier, quote-unquote, than this whole church. And they're not saved. They steal less than you have ever stolen. They've cheated less than you have ever cheated. They, they, they lie less than you have ever lied. And because they're not trusting in Jesus, they're going straight to hell anyway. So this is not continuing the faith in your own strength. This is, and be not moved away from the gospel, which feeds is the, is the power in order for you to continue in the faith. Oh, I, I don't think you get it. Listen, Hold, people who are saved can drift. Unsaved people can drift. You know what causes us to be consistent? Hope in the gospel. Hope in the gospel. Be not moved away from that. What is the hope of the gospel? What is the faith? What is the faith? Why does uh, hope in the gospel, why is it so important? What does the hope of the gospel birth in someone who was dead in their trespasses and sins? It's not a, I hope so eventually. That's not it. You know what it is? It's a hope that is absolutely certain. It's a hope that is sure. It is a hope that is guaranteed. Why? Because the gospel is true. Jesus really did die according to the scriptures. Jesus really did rise again according to the scriptures. And the best part is Jesus is coming back again according to the scriptures. So what we're saying here is that the hope that the believer has is that Jesus one day is coming to fix all of this stuff and reconcile all the bears, the lions, and the tigers and you and me and this whole planet 
when no matter how bad I feel about how things are going, the bottom line is I can be consistent in my faith. Why? Because Jesus is risen and Jesus is coming back and he's died for my sins and he's going to present me holy before God. And I am certain of it. So my trying and my effort and my perseverance is backed up by power that comes from the hope of the gospel. Are you hearing me? 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Almost done. Yeah. This is the last one, I think. Yep. Two more. 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Give me a new living, sweetie. I'm sorry. Make it a little simpler. You know the scripture. I'm going to just put it in a little different way so you can kind of hear it differently. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Here's the confirmation. Here's the hope of the gospel. Here it is right here. Verse 2. Dear friends, we are already God's children. Oh, but it has not yet shown us He has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that uh, that we will be like him, for we shall see him as he really is. That whole statement right there is all about what Christ has done. Then this third verse here, and all who have this eager expectation, cold word, hope, will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. What are you saying, Pastor? The emphasis here is not just on the holy living. Are you seeing it? The emphasis here is the power behind the holy living. The application to live holy is one thing. However, the power to live holy is what's needed. The power comes from the hope and expectation of Christ's return. His reception of you and recognizing you when he returns is the reason why you keep yourself pure. (laughs) So it's hope first, application second. My daddy used to say it this way. Position first, practice second. If you get those things mixed up, then you are actually using your own power. And that is not good. That's how you start drifting away from the hope. How does a saint who has heard the gospel start drifting away from the hope? They mix up and put the hope somewhere else and start functioning out of their own power and wonder why they eventually run out of power. (laughs) Are you hearing me? The emphasis is not on you saving yourself. The emphasis is on what Jesus Christ has already done. God will get no glory out of you saving yourself. God will get no glory out of you sanctifying yourself. You've got to be hooked up to the hope. What is the hope? Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. So John MacArthur says it this way. Let there be, lest there be any confusion about what we are to continue in as far as the faith, Paul specifies this content, and he says that it's of their faith in the gospel that they have originally heard. And this gospel was preached, as it says here in um, uh, first, I mean, in Colossians 1, 23, he says, and this gospel was preached to every creature under heaven. The Colossians believed, watch this, that in order for you to really be connected to God, you had to be one of the elite folks. So basically, only people with degrees really knew Jesus. That was their whole idea. Special knowledge for special people. I get educated, and then I can understand God. That was the idea. Okay? He's saying that this gospel was preached to every creature. (laughs) Every class. Every race. It's going out through the whole world. Amen? Amen. So basically, here's the thing. What is this? How does this apply? Well, parents make this mistake. What we do is we praise a child because they got accepted to some prestigious college. Ooh, 
Huh? Then we throw a bunch of money at them. Then we give them a going away dinner party at our church with a bunch of church folks around them and say, baby, you're doing good. We're so proud of you. Keep up the good work. And we send these kids to these institutions and wonder why they come back completely denying Christ and don't know who Jesus is no more, don't believe in Jesus no more, or they're into these Christian spinoffs. You know, would they demote Jesus and bring Jesus down just a little bit? He's not God. He's just some prophet. And we get excited, and we send them there, and they come back, and we say, what happened? You, we didn't teach you that in our church. You didn't learn that. I'll tell you what happened, saints. I'll tell you what happened. We put the continue in the faith before the hope of the gospel. There's no anchor to hold them. So that by the time they get to college, all they got is you better do better, you better do better. Well, they got somebody over here that's offering some kind of better deal as far as how to do better. But nobody's excited about the fact, wait a minute, Jesus saved my soul. Jesus made me right with God. Where am I going to go without Jesus? Who am I without Jesus? What am I accomplishing in life without Jesus? So that's what's happening. And they're the right way to teach. People always talk about me and my children and my wife and, and how she is so serious about them teaching, you know, teaching the kids the Bible. Here's the thing. This is something I've been learning. You can teach the scriptures in a way to where you leave Jesus completely out of it. If you're not careful, you will teach a morality code and not dependence on Jesus. There are people who know the Bible backwards and forwards, but don't have any hope of the gospel in them. They're backwards. There's no anchor. So the Bible says, don't be you know, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Are you see what I'm saying? So what ends up happening is they get caught up and the wind will blow against that house. That's what, ah, here we go. Give me Matthew uh, 725. Matthew 725. Matthew 725. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat up on that house, and it fell not. Why? Before it was founded upon a rock. So what happens is when you give your children the gospel, when you tell them you are a sinner who need to be saved by grace, you need to put all your faith in what Jesus Christ has done and how he took your sins to the cross, and how you can never earn his goodness. He did it just because he decided to love you and you can never impress him with anything you'll ever do or anything you'll ever become. He saved you just because you, he wanted to. When you tell your children that, then no matter where they go, the wind can blow, the rain can come, but they will not be shaken. They will be standing, continuing in the faith. Why? Because I've been saved. Why? Because my, my, my feet are standing on the foundation of Jesus Christ. So you can know 99 scriptures, but if you don't have Jesus in your heart, you have nothing. Nothing. Well, I don't know what happened, Pastor. We sent them down there. No, no. Did you give them the hope of the gospel? Huh? Is Jesus returning? See, we got folks that know how to sit up in church. We got folks that know how to say, first giving honor to God. And the pastor and his wife that I really don't like. And so and so and so and so. And thus and thus and thus. And by the time you get through naming all the deacons, you tell your little testimony and you go and sit down. And we train people to have church etiquette. They know how to do church. And then they get out there and trouble comes. Huh? They get out there and they hear something new that they never thought of before. Huh? And there's all kinds of doctrinal stuff that gets thrown at them. And you see them get lifted. And as they get lifted, when the belief system goes, so do the actions. So does the lifestyle. Huh? When the faith is weak, there they go. So what are you saying, Pastor? Give me Colossians again. Colossians 1, 23. Colossians 1, 23. Huh? You are holy. You are unblameable, unreprovable, presented before God. 
right? In right standing with God, if you continue in the faith grounded and settled, and key, be not moved away from the gospel, huh? from the hope of the gospel, which you have already heard. It's that simple gospel that brought you in. That's the thing you hold on to. How do I know this to be true? I say it all the time. The thief on the cross never had a chance to go to not one baptism. The thief on the cross had never got a chance to go to not one Bible study. He never got a chance to go to not one seminary. Huh? He never, he never got, he didn't get a chance to shout and run down, down the aisle. And, oh, no, he was stuck on the cross. And Jesus said to him, huh? Surely this day. <laughs> You will be with me in paradise. Why? Because his hope was where it was supposed to be. His hope was in Jesus Christ. So how do I get through this world and all of these things that have happened that have disappointed me and broke my heart? How do I do it? My hope is not in this world. My hope is in the one that's going to fix this world and clean this world up and change this world and make this world new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. That's what he comes to do. That is the hope of the reconciliation. I'm done.